1: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff.
0: Well, that is right. You are listening to conservative, not bitter talk, and I am your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, your questions. As I've said before, your adoration and praise is also accepted. (laughs) Kidding, not kidding. Welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Look, I want to get uh, quickly. This is Good Friday, and for those that have been listening uh, for some time, you know that we... Devote um, as much of possible as possible of our Good Friday episode to talking about Easter, and I want to uh, share a conversation with Matthew Middleberg of RZIM, Rabbi Zacharias International Ministries. Uh, We spoke about the resurrection, uh, the historical person of Jesus. I want to share that, but really quickly, because this interview will take it's a it's a lengthy conversation that i think you'll enjoy um but i want to mention briefly yesterday yesterday we were unable to do this program and i just wanted to tell you why briefly because um you know we're all we we get into the habit of uh you know you get into the habit of hearing this program day to day we we actually changed the hour hour 2 played at this time yesterday so it was new content, unless you've heard both hours, but uh, we had some storms go through our neck of the woods on, would have been, what, Wednesday evening, and uh, we were we were not directly impacted, but there were, we think, up to maybe about five tornadoes that hit the area and it took power out from a lot of folks and so forth. So anyway, we were unable to connect and use our technology yesterday morning, Um And so here we are, here we are getting back into the groove on on Friday, but I want to, everything's fine, everything's fine, Uh, everyone dodged a bullet here, but there was massive power outages, I think our power came on about 1045 yesterday morning, so anyway, with that being said, that being said, it's good to be back, I want to play this conversation I had with Matthew Middleburg, RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, here on Good Friday, I hope you enjoy. What is my good pleasure today to be with Matthew Middleburg. He is a speaking fellow with RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. This is a part three of a three-part series. We've had a couple of other folks on here from RZIM, Cameron McAllister and Alicia Wood talking about Christianity, the worldview, uh, some of the questions and objections. But Matthew is here today to talk with us a little bit about the historical evidence of the resurrection and now that it's good friday it's a great time to talk about that matthew thank you for joining us how are you sir
1: doing great thank you so much for having me on the show appreciate it
0: well we love doing this and uh, i'm grateful that you all have uh, invested time in doing this with us so here we are on uh, good friday right so i guess maybe set the stage mm-hmm. what is what is the significance of this day and maybe what was uh, happening on this day from a historical perspective? Uh, during the time of christ a couple thousand years ago
1: yeah absolutely i think you know this is really uh you know this this weekend of good friday through easter is is really the the central christian holiday it's it's so important to christian the christian faith because this is the time where where jesus died and and rose from the from the dead and um you know i think people people don't understand that 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 really is the central event of christian history because Jesus staked his credibility. He, he, he essentially said, here's how you will know that I am who I say I am. I will die, and then I will raise myself from the dead. And uh, he made that claim several times throughout his ministry. He kept saying it over and over again. And so, you know, if Jesus didn't uh, rise from the dead, if he didn't come back from the grave, um, it really invalidates the whole Christian faith. It invalidates everything about what, what he taught. Um, he doesn't even still uh, maintain himself as a prophet or even as a good man, because prophets teach true things and uh, good teachers teach true things. And so, um, you know, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then it's, it's a huge deal. But if he did rise from the dead, then it seems to prove that he has abilities that go beyond normal human beings, and it seems to validate his claim to be the Son of God. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to talk about these kinds of things, because I think um, it's so central to the Christian faith.
0: It is central to the faith, and as I've said on my program before, you know, a lot of what we discuss on the program might have uh, political implications and so forth, but really these things all stem from worldviews and culture and so forth, and underlying those, uh, I guess, worldviews is is a philosophy or a belief system of some sort, and so what people do with this Jesus and, and who he was and who he was historically matters Tremendously in helping to shape that that culture that we all we all live within. I think it was was it C.S. Lewis who said Jesus was either a liar, lunatic, or yes. the Lord, right? So, Lord. yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe speak to that for a moment.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important. What what Lewis pointed out, which is that you know most people when they when they think about Jesus, they want to kind of have him as their friend or as their uh, you know as somebody that they look up to, but they they don't want to understand him as Lord. Um, they they kind of wanted to say, "Oh, he was a good teacher. He, you know, uh, taught really good things. He taught us to love our neighbors as ourselves, and you know, that's a that's a great thing—the golden rule and all of that." But um, but they don't want to, to understand him as God. Um, but the problem is, Jesus didn't leave us that option. He didn't leave mm-hmm. us that opportunity. Um, he essentially said, "You know, either you believe that I am who I say I am, or you will perish in your sins." And so he he gave us an ultimatum, essentially saying, look, I'm claiming to be God, and if you if you don't believe me when I say that, then you're not really my follower at all. Uh, you know, a, a follower of Jesus is somebody who who actually will believe what he says about himself and, and will actually worship him as God. And so the question is, well, why, why should we do that? Why should we actually believe that he is who he says he is? And I, I find that a lot of people are surprised to know that there's a lot of evidence to support his claims, a lot of evidence to to back up the claim that he rose from the dead. Um, it's not something that just has to be taken with a blind leap of faith.
0: Well, and that's I think sometimes uh, maybe unfortunate with with some uh, of the of the folks that we might encounter today, or even listeners in this audience. And look, I want to pause and say, I'm I'm a I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in, in Jesus, and so I believe in what you're saying. But this is not about you know forcing a worldview and, and so forth on someone. This is about articulating some things that maybe people don't know Matthew people don't understand it this isn't just as you said some sort of a mythical account of some figure that may or may not have existed there's other there's other evidence so maybe give us some of that other evidence for Jesus for the crucifixion and maybe where that sure. comes from
1: absolutely yeah so when I when I look at this evidence, and I, I'm I'm not an expert historian, but I've I've done a lot of research, and I've just learned from a lot of people uh, who have written on this. And when I survey the the literature, uh, what I've seen is that there are a certain number of facts that historians are convinced about the historical Jesus. That um, you know, whether they're Christian historians or non-Christian historians, you know, atheist, agnostic, Jewish, uh, whatever their background, they agree to these certain facts about the historical Jesus. And uh, four of the most relevant facts are that Jesus was dead, uh, that he was gone, that he was seen, and then he was reported. Um, and, and these are these are central facts about the historical Jesus. And so the, the fact that he was dead on the cross—that um, he, uh, you know, medical descriptions of what happens during crucifixion, um, you know, show that that Jesus was really dead on the cross. And so historians are convinced that he really died. He didn't. He wasn't just uh, mostly dead as uh, the Princess Bride would have us believe, mm-hmm. but he he was really dead on the cross. Um, and then, remarkably, historians are also for the most part convinced that his body was gone from the tomb three days later. And so uh, the question is, you know, what happened to his body? What what happened to that? Well, the the third fact is that the disciples were convinced that they had seen him alive, so much so that they were willing to die for what they believed in. Now, some people will say, okay, but Lots of people are willing to die for what they believe, and that doesn't mean that, that what they saw was genuine or, or that they were really convinced. But the difference is, the disciples were in a unique opportunity to know whether or not what they were believing in was actually true. Uh, you know, most of the people that, that die for what they believe in today die in the hope that they'll receive a reward in the afterlife or that they will, um, you know, their, their cause will go on. But, but the disciples were in a unique opportunity to know whether or not they had walked and talked with the risen Jesus. And so they were convinced that they had seen him alive, and, uh, you know, this shows that they weren't lying about it, you know, because no, no one is willing to lie for something that they, or no one is willing to die for something that they know is a lie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so historians are convinced that they had seen something that convinced them that, that Jesus was risen from the dead. And then all of this was reported within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. This was not uh, a later embellishment that rose over the generations. This wasn't something that you know, many generations on, somebody had this bright idea of uh, believing that Jesus rose from the dead. No, we, we have reports that, that go all the way back to within months of the crucifixion, uh, the creed given in 1 Corinthians 15. And so the question is what do we do with all of that historical evidence? What do we do with those facts? Um, What sort of hypothesis could explain the fact that Jesus was dead on the cross, that his body was gone three days later from the tomb, that he was then seen, and then this was all reported within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses? And the only explanation that I've heard that can can explain those facts seems to be the resurrection.
0: So let me – maybe ask some of the questions that I've either heard or objections and so forth, probably things that you know, you've know you certainly dealt with, I'm sure, uh, multiple times yeah. in your experience. But what about this uh, theory that, well, first of all, there's some people out there who still will claim, will still will claim that there wasn't even a historical person that lived named Jesus. Yeah. What, what say you to that?
1: Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. Um I've seen some polling especially in the UK where where people uh especially young people don't believe that that Jesus actually existed and um really that's it's not a it's not a belief among the historical community. There are there are very few people among the historical community that are mythicists or, or believe that Jesus did not exist. The vast majority of scholars believe that, that Jesus was uh, real, that he really walked the earth, and that, you know, these facts about Jesus are true. Um, and I, I think it's, it's so uh, incredible that, that people don't believe that Jesus existed r- because he's the most influential historical figure of all time. I mean, nobody comes anywhere close to the impact that, that Jesus has had on all of human history. Um, and so to believe that, that he didn't actually walk the earth, I think, is, is really uh, – it, it betrays a lack of trust in, in historical events overall. I mean, if you don't believe that, that Jesus existed, you shouldn't believe that George Washington <laughs> existed or that Abraham Lincoln existed or uh, that, that you know, Ronald Reagan existed. I mean, the, the kinds of evidences that we have for Jesus are, are so strong, not just in the Bible, but from other ancient historical sources outside of the Bible for his life, his death. And the the appearances after his his resurrection.
0: Well, I mean, I even think about how we uh, measure time today. I mean, A.D. Of course, we call it B.C.E. nowadays. uh, Yeah, or whatever it is, but now or common era, I guess C.E. But but A.D. actually stands for the the year of our of our Lord. I mean, that was the so the idea that this would be the greatest hoax in human history, would it not be? If there wasn't a person named Jesus.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we change the whole way we th- think about time. I mean, when you when you start to add up the contributions that that Jesus has had to our history as as Americans and and really as the world, um, it's it's really staggering. And so to believe that that somehow you know maybe these people came up with this idea of this this man who was willing to die for our sins, uh, who is God. I mean, it's it's just Uh, I think that's giving a little too much credibility to the creativity of uh, first century Judean scholars (laughs) to be able to come up with that kind of idea.
0: Yeah, especially given the the consequences that they were facing, which you pointed out, which often involved their their death in the early days and so forth. Um, What about those who say that, you know, Jesus never really claimed to be the Messiah. He just kind of upset some people, did some things and ended up being crucified by a, a brutal government. What do you what do you say to that?
1: Mm, yeah yeah because I think some people are under the impression that Jesus never never claimed to be the Messiah or never claimed to be God, but I think if you if you read the gospel accounts, you read the, the accounts of his life, he over and over again is making this claim to be the Son of God and, and to be the Messiah. I mean, I, I just think about some of the things that he said he says, um you know when he's being baptized, he says, you know uh Father, glorify me as you uh, with the glory that we shared' before the creation of the world. I mean, that that sort of a statement really seems to be saying, look, I'm pre-existing all of the world. Uh, Or or later in John, you know, when he says, uh, before Abraham was, Mm -hmm. I am. And and the the religious authorities around him knew exactly what he was saying, because Mm -hmm. they picked up stones to stone him. They're saying, you, a mere man, are claiming to be God. And so the, the people around Jesus were under no misgivings about exactly what he was claiming. Um, it's only us, you know, 2,000 years later, reading uh, the Bible without any, any background education of the things that he's trying to say, mm-hmm. and we're going, well, he didn't say the words, I am God, um, and so, you know, therefore he doesn't claim that, but but really, when you think, look at the kinds of things that he claims over and over again, I think it's very clear that he's claiming to be the Messiah and he's claiming to be
0: the son of God. Mm-hmm. When I get some more questions about that, but I look here at the clock and realize I need to stop and take a quick time out. So we'll pick this up when we get back from the break. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk radio. I'll be back in just a minute. I'm back. I hope you are enjoying our conversation with Matthew Middleberg of RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Um, and I just wanted to, there's a couple of longer segments. This is going to be a shorter segment, but, but I wanted to take this moment, first of all, to remind you and to wish you a, a happy, happy Easter. Today is, of course, Good Friday as we have made it our tradition here on Good Friday, just like we do on around Christmas time or around Thanksgiving time. We devote at least a portion of the program to talking about things specific to the holiday, of course with Christmas, uh, the Christmas story, the birth of Christ, Thanksgiving. We talk about just some of the things that we're thankful for. We talk about something that not as in-depth as, as Rush does, but the, the story of Thanksgiving, the true story of Thanksgiving around Easter time. We talk about, of course, the Easter story. And it's it's a not just a story. It's something that should be, can be, radically life-changing to all who decide to embrace it and to accept uh, the Messiah through the Easter story, through what he did on that cross and, of course, on resurrection sunday so hope you're enjoying the conversation and we'll get back to it here quickly after the next uh, in the the next segment but i wanted to mention here as well for those of you have been who've been listening to this program from any time you know that we are in a partnership with shepherd community center in fact last week you would have heard a conversation i had with jay the executive director of shepherd community and i know here around the easter season um, for many of you uh, that are hearing my voice, you're going to be getting the uh, deposit here in uh, in the not too distant future from the from the government. And look, I this is I, I don't want to be misunderstood. That is yours to do what uh, you feel that you should do. Whatever, take care of basic needs, pay the mortgage, rent, whatever. So I'm not asking you if you're in that boat to consider this, but for those. Who say, "Look, we've been blessed. We've, we're in a good position. Um, this is kind of gravy to us. Maybe we should do something with it." I encourage you to check out Shepherd Community, and you you heard that conversation with Jay Hyde. In fact, if you haven't heard it, you can go back to the website and listen. But you can find out more on our partnership, our program with Shepherd by visiting shepherdcommunity dot org slash forty days. They are trying to meet the spiritual, physical, emotional, and academic needs for Our Neighbors and Break the Cycle of Poverty in the Near East Side of Indianapolis one child at a time. You can donate $40 to support Shepherd Community Center's programs by, again, visiting shepherd, shepherdcommunity.org slash 40 days. So, just wanted to mention that here. In this shorter segment, when we get back, we'll continue our conversation with Matthew Middleburg, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries here on our special Good Friday Good Friday episode of the Todd Huff Show. Be back in just a minute. Is it possible to be a fan of the show if you don't have the gear to prove it? Why not be safe and remove all doubt? Shop for official
1: merchandise at todhuffshow.com slash shop today.
0: Welcome back. I'm with Matthew Middleberg. He's a speaking fellow with RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And we've been talking today about Good Friday we've Been talking specifically about the historical evidence of the person of Jesus and the, the crucifixion and resurrection. We're going through that uh, here today. And so before the break, we were talking about uh, some of the things that Jesus said that would have indicated especially to those that were listening to him at the time that he was making claims to be God. And, you know, I have a couple of others here, uh, Matthew. I mean, I'm I'm reminded of the story when, when Jesus was walking on water and Peter steps out of the boat, Jesus actually, when Peter asks him who he is, he, correct me if I'm wrong, but he says, I am. if you go back to the original language, which is of course is the direct reference to uh, what God told Moses. Um, Yeah. And, and uh, my family and I, uh, we've been going through, uh, you know, I, we have three little kids and we go through the, the the children's stories of the Bible. And ironically, we're at the part of Easter right now, which just happened to time out this way. But when they when they crucified Jesus on the cross, they put a sign up there. What what did that sign say? It said King of the Jews. Right. And so the religious right. leaders tore their clothes and were upset when he when he claimed to be God. They, they said he was a blasphemer, but they didn't want the people to know that. They said this man says He's the king of the Jews and Pilate wouldn't change that sign and so forth. So there's other, I mean, Jesus clearly claimed to be God or the son of God, the Messiah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, just looking at, at the, the kinds of things that he claimed, the kinds of authority that he claimed, uh, claimed you know, he claimed to have the ability to forgive sins. I mean, the, the, the people around him, the scholars around him said only God can forgive sins. And yet Jesus is forgiving sins mm-hmm. uh, and not, not sins against him, Against God, and so he he's claiming to be you know the, the one that can forgive sins. I mean that's a huge claim right there. Um, he he later claims to have the ability to to modify the, the rules of the Sabbath. Uh, he says he's the Lord of the Sabbath. I mean these these kinds of things are are incredible for yes. him to claim. Um, and you know it, it, I just go back to the fact that you know if Jesus didn't claim to be the Messiah, if he didn't claim to be God. And why did, why did they crucify him? Why, why was it controversial for him to be, you know, going around and healing people? Um, it wasn't, It, it was controversial that he claimed to be God. And, um, you know, when you look at the, the scholars and the people around him and what they are saying, um, they are under no misgivings about, about who he is and what he's claiming to be. Um, now they misunderstood and they, they, they thought he was, you know, falsely claiming to be God, but, um, he, you know, he wasn't, he, he proved that by, by rising from the
0: dead. That's right. And so that's kind of moves to the next category. You said there's, there's four general areas that the historians agree upon that he was, he was dead, which, what do you say to those, which this is something I was going to bring up, but uh, almost skipped past. But what about this, this idea that Jesus faked his death, that there was a swoon and he, you know, he, he, he faked it. The disciples took him down from the cross. They, they nursed him back to health and then he, Lived a happy life after the the crucifixion. What do you say to that?
1: Mm-mm. Yeah, that's a that's a popular theory um, on the interwebs, uh, <laughs> but it's really been discredited by scholars today because you know when you look at the the kind of physical torment that people go through when they're crucified, I mean it is it is next level stuff, um, especially when you look at the fact that that Jesus was scourged before he w- went on the cross. People mm-hmm. died. Even from scourging, because uh, you know the, these uh, ball bearings would would rip away people's flesh uh, from being from being scourged, from being whipped, um, and then he was crucified, and then he was stabbed with a spear, and blood and water rushed out of his side, uh, which would be you know an accurate medical description of somebody who's gone through hypovolemic shock. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the the physical kinds of, of torture that that Jesus went through on the cross, I mean it's. We we have no medical we have no historical reports of anyone ever surviving a full Roman crucifixion. And um, you know, in fact the the, the, the um, Roman soldiers who were putting Jesus to death, they they had the uh, the impetus to, to really make sure he was dead because if they allowed a prisoner to escape, they themselves would be put to death. Mm-hmm. So they they were hundred percent sure that, that Jesus was dead on the cross because, you know, they, they didn't want to die themselves. So, um, you know, when we, when we look at the medical descriptions of something like that, and then the fact that, you know, he's, he was wrapped in, in several, uh, you know, he was wrapped in many pounds of, um, you know, embalmment and, and, wrappings. And then he was placed in this tomb for three days. Um, you know, it would be, it would be the greatest, uh medical, uh, you know, magician work ever mm-hmm. for, for somebody to come back from that. And, and really, uh even if jesus did come back from that which again medically seems to be impossible there there would be no movement based on his resurrection mm-hmm. and it would be like you know jesus walking in stumbling in to to the disciples meeting room and uh they wouldn't go look jesus has risen from the dead they'd go oh please somebody get a doctor help this man you know uh we we you know th- there would be no movement of uh you know the disciples believing that he rose from the dead, it'd be like, wow, I can't believe we, we somehow survived that one. Um, yeah. let's, let's lay low
0: so that doesn't happen again. Certainly wouldn't have been an inspirational figure had that been the case, especially in light of all of his Absolutely. claims and so forth. So we've got him, mm-hmm. we've got that he was on the cross. We've got that he was had died upon the cross. So now we, we his body's taken down. He ends up in a tomb. And so yeah. what about this theory where people will say, well, you know, the disciples just kind of were hanging out waiting to, to steal the body. That was, that was their grand mm. plan, to steal the body and to make people think he wasn't uh, – that, well, that he had risen from the dead. What do you say about that? Mm.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a bad theory uh, for a couple different reasons, and that, that is the, the cover story that the enemies of Jesus uh, gave – for why the tomb was empty, which I think is really interesting because even the enemies of Jesus admit that the tomb is empty, That's right. uh, but then they give this cover story for, for why it is. But it's a bad theory for, for a couple different reasons. The first reason is that the disciples wouldn't have had the motivation to do something like this. I mean, they're they're following this guy, they're they're trying to, um, you know, they, they believe that he's the Messiah, they're, they're, they believe that he's going to usher in this new kingdom, and then he gets put to, to death, and they run away because this, this guy that they've been following is now being put to death, and so they don't want to be put to death themselves, and they, their hopes are, are dashed for you know this guy being the Messiah. And so for them to, to steal the body, uh, there's just no motivation to do something like that um, in the first place. So that, I think that's the first problem. The second problem is that they didn't have the means to do something like this. I mean, the, the Roman authorities approved a guard to be put around the tomb. So mm-hmm. to believe that these fishermen come in and, and somehow overpower these guards in order to steal the body, I mean, that's that would be an incredible feat in and of itself. Um, and then just the fact that, um, you know, it just seems like this, this kind of a story, it just doesn't seem like they had the motive, the means, or the opportunity to do something like this. Um, and so I think a much better explanation is just that, that Jesus actually rose from the dead. It seems like uh, a very unlikely explanation overall.
0: Hmm. Well, that's a, that's an interesting way of uh, of putting it. I've I've said before, in fact, I think as we were talking with Alicia uh, last week. But you know, there's there's connotation or this uh, this perspective a lot of people have, I guess, where they want to say that you know Christians are just a bunch of people that believe in these these myths and these fairy tales and all these sorts of things. They believe people raised from the dead. They believe uh, you know. Mary gives uh, a virgin has you know gives birth to the Son of God. these things sound sound crazy on its face, and I'll admit that right. they do outside of the possibility that there's a god and if if there's a God, these things are totally doable and to your point absolutely it seems more logical to me that if there is a God and if Jesus was the Son of God, that the resurrection it makes more sense than all these other explanations. That folks come up with, like the the swooning on the cross or the disciples stole the body. You agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people will say, well, these these kinds of miracles and, and things like that, you know, aren't they aren't they impossible? Like we know science now. We have scientific laws, and we're, we're rational people, and you know, scientific laws can't be broken. But uh, I think it, it it kind of it's circular reasoning because you're you're assuming that there is no God in the first place that made those rules. Um, you know if if God designed scientific law, if he designed the rules of, of normal life, then he can modify those whenever he wants to it 's no big miracle for him to to rise someone from the dead or to to create a virgin birth or to to have Jonah in the belly of a whale or something like that i mean these stories that are are fantastical we're, we're not we 're not saying that people uh did these things through natural means mm-hmm. we 're saying that that God intervened and he uh, ha- has stepped in to do these kinds of things, and so um, you know I think it, it really I-, I would just encourage anyone who who feels skeptical about something like that to just examine where you're at in 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 what you're willing to allow to be possible. What where is your skepticism meter in regards to miracle claims? Are have you set that meter infinitely high, and it, you're essentially saying no matter what evidence is given for a miracle, I'm unwilling to believe, um, or are you open? So the idea that that maybe a miracle could be possible, maybe God could intervene, and I, I would just encourage anyone who who feels that way to just open themselves up to just say, you know, what what would it take for me to believe in a miracle? What would it take for me to believe that that God has intervened in this world? And if if you're honest and you say uh, there's no evidence in the world that would would convince me of that, ask the question: Why? Why are you unwilling to to consider something like that? Why are you unwilling? to uh you know look at the evidence. Is it because you're you're biased against there being a God? Is it because you, you really just don't want there to be a God? Um and if that's the case, then I, I would encourage you to to read read the gospels and read about this Jesus and what he really claims because you've probably misunderstood who he is and what he's really um Claiming to be and, and the, the kind of loving God that He portrays, because that's that's what we believe about Jesus—that He is God. Mm-hmm. He is the perfect image of who God is. And so, uh, if you if you feel like God is you know this this sort of um, tyrant or this person who wants to control your life, look at Jesus. Look at the way that He loves people. Look at the way that He cares for people, and and understand that that is the God that we are talking about. And you should you should want Him to be real. You should want Him to be God because of the kind of, of world that, that that is, as opposed to a world with no God.
0: Amen. And that's what he came to do. He came to uh, to be crucified and to be raised from the dead so that he could restore the relationship with us. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. You know, I'm always amazed, Matthew, whenever um, I, I hear people be resistant to miracles, and we got to stop and take a break here in a second. Uh, but to mm-hmm. me, and I don't mean to please don't misunderstand me and think I'm putting down any of the miracles uh, that, that have been uh, that have been that God has made over the course of mm-hmm. throughout the Bible and so forth. But to me, if God creates something from nothing, the rest of it is kind of child's play in a sense, because, because the, you know, He he created everything from nothing just by speaking it into being. So we know that we're here. <laughs> and that we know the universe isn't yep. eternal we know that it's not self-created you know and so we're stuck with this reality that something else put it here that's greater than us this eternal being of some sort and to me i think if we can accept that something was created from nothing why can't he do any of these other things they seem totally uh, totally totally reasonable at that point to to accept in my estimation
1: absolutely i couldn't i couldn't agree more and i think it's it's really interesting that, you know, when I talk to college students and, and different people, sometimes they'll say, uh, you know, I'll ask them, what kind of evidence would you need in order to believe in God? And they'll say, well, you know, if he would appear to me, if he would come to me in, you know, in a, a cloud of smoke or something like that. And, um, and I say to them, you know, well, would you really believe if something like that happened or, or would would you think that you're going crazy? And they'll say, oh, well, you know, often they'll say, be honest and just say, well, I probably would think I was going crazy. So I wouldn't believe in that case. And so, people have essentially made it completely impossible for God Mm -hmm. to provide any sort of evidence for them to believe. And I I think instead of having that mindset, I think we should look at what God has actually done. And, uh, you know, I I think it makes sense that, you know, if God wants to communicate to us, that he would actually show us what he's like, that he would come down to earth, and that he would do an incredible miracle like the resurrection to show us that. And in fact, that's exactly what he did. That that seems to be what what history is reporting here.
0: Hmm. Amen. Well, Going to take one more break here, wrap up a little bit shorter segment when we return. We're speaking with Matthew Middleburg, speaking fellow with RZIM, Robbie Zacharias, International Ministries. You're listening to the Home of Conservative, not Better Talk Radio, back in just a minute. Welcome back. and speaking with Matthew Middleburg, speaking fellow with RZIM. We've been talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Don't have a lot of time here. I want to get to a couple more things. Uh, you know, we've uh, Matthew laid out some of the things that historians agree on. There's kind of consensus on. And we've been kind of going through those things one by one. But I guess just as we're wrapping up here, Matthew, why why does it why does it matter? I mean let's let's say that mm-hmm. historians do believe Jesus died, he was gone from the tomb, the disciples were convinced that he was alive and all these things were reported within his within their lifetimes. So what? I mean, explain that to us, yeah. to connect the dots.
1: Yeah. I, I mean I think it's it's the most significant event in history. If Jesus came back from the dead, it, it means that Jesus has the power to raise us from the dead. It means that, you know, we we have hope in the face of death. We have hope in the face of, um, you know, our impending death, and and He has the power to give us eternal life, because that's what He claimed. He claimed that, you know, those who believe in Him will have eternal life, and, uh, you know, if Jesus came back from the dead, that has huge implication for our lives. It means that, you know, we we can have a relationship with God, that we don't have to um, just believe that He's some, you know, figure up in the sky, but that actually He cares about our lives. He cares about us so much that he was willing to die for us and willing to be a substitute for us and to take on the burden of everything that we've done wrong in our lives. Um, and so I think that that has huge implications for our lives. And you know, when when I'm talking about the the evidence for the the resurrection, I think that you know sometimes people people think, well, okay, does it does it really uh, matter to to think about this evidence? Does it really matter to to change people's minds? Maybe maybe people who are already Christians and you know, they they think, oh, I, I just have faith in that. That's all I need, and I, I can't change anybody else's mind about this. But um, you know, I've seen I've seen this evidence change people's minds. Um, even even just last week, you know, I was doing a, a series of event, events at uh, UMass Amherst, one of the colleges out here in Massachusetts where I live, and um, there was a girl that that came to our series of events last year who uh, came to my talk on, on the resurrection, and she heard some of this evidence and. Um, you know, I could just tell that that it really impacted her, and really she was, the gears were turning, and she was starting to consider some of this stuff for the first time. Uh, Throughout that next year, she started meeting with some of the different Christians on campus and asking more questions, and uh, this year she came back to our events, and um, she just said, you know, I I think I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready. I believe this. It makes sense. The evidence points to it, and I'm ready to, to give my life to Christ, and um, it's just so encouraging to see people change their minds and to see how, uh, you know, just understanding that this stuff isn't, uh, you know, faith isn't something that you have to have just on a blind leap of faith. It's it's actually trust based on evidence, That's trust cool. based on good reasons. And uh, I, I just find that people are so surprised when they find out that there is good evidence. There are good reasons to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and to believe that you can have a relationship with God for all eternity.
0: That's right. What do you say uh, as I'm maybe shifting gears as we wrap up here, which, of course, I could continue this conversation uh, in, in much more detail. We just don't have the time. But what would you sure. say to those Christians? And I'm talking to the Christian audience now. These are believers who mm. may look at this approach and they think, hey, man, why are we going to all this trouble to convince people? You know, the the Bible's there. Just, just tell them what the Bible says and quit worrying about all these other factors all these other historical evidence medical evidence all that kind of stuff what do you what do you say to the to the christian who who asked that question maybe from a pure spot they're not just being cynical or whatever what what do you say to that individual sure sure
1: yeah i mean i think that's that's great if you're talking to somebody who accepts the bible as the word of god but the problem is most people who aren't christians Um, Don't accept the Bible as the Word of God. I mean, you have to start with people where they are. And most people are, are looking at the world, and they have these objections. They have these barriers that need to be knocked down, and they need to know that there's a reason for why they should trust the Bible. They need to know that there's a reason for why they should believe that God exists in the first place. And if you don't start with people where they are, you're, you're dangerously close to, to circular reasoning. You're, you're essentially saying, you know, you should believe in the Bible because the Bible says to believe in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's no, that's no good reason. And so I, I would encourage anyone who's a Christian that, you know, this stuff really matters. People have real questions. They have real objections. And unless we're willing to, to walk with people, we're, we're willing to, to meet them where they're at. Uh, I think we're going to have a really hard time reaching people. We're going to have a really hard time understanding where people are coming from. And uh, I think we need to reach out to them. We need to, to meet them where they're at. And so I would encourage anyone who's a Christian to to study some of this stuff, to to look at some of the evidence. Um, there are a couple really good resources out there. I would encourage anyone who has never read the book, uh, The Case for Christ, to read that book by Lee Strobel. Uh, Lee's a, a good friend of mine and um, and he, uh, has written just this, this, uh, incredible book, this incredible resource for, for anyone who's curious about the evidence for the resurrection. Or, uh, if you'd like to just start, uh, for this Easter, uh, to watch the Case for Christ movie on Netflix. Uh, it's free on Netflix and, uh, you can check it out there. It's an, it's an awesome movie, uh, very cinematic, got great reviews and that could be something that you invite your non Christians uh, friends to to join you on to watch this movie together and to just start this journey of of really realizing that there's good evidence outside of the Bible outside of um, you know the faith to to point to Jesus being the Son of God and to rising from the dead
0: that's right and we've uh, we've had the good fortune of interviewing uh, Lee in the past in fact I'll probably post a copy of that interview on on Facebook again this weekend as we're moving into Easter Easter weekend but Um, You know, you hit the nail on the head. We have to meet people where they are. And we have to constantly be trying to find ways to communicate truth. And maybe 50 years ago or 30 years ago, you could say the Bible says this and people might respect that. But the truth is that's been under so much assault. It's been under so much criticism. It's been blamed even for certain things or it's the people that believe it. And sometimes justifiably, Christians have done awful things, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, people blame Mm -hmm. them and they should be blamed. But the truth is, is that some people are just genuinely confused. And I think it's Norman Geisler who says they have good questions and we have good answers. And so why don't we find a way to get those answers to them, right? It's not going to answer every concern. And it may push us out of our comfort zone. It may push us into a place where maybe we don't even know some of these answers. But it doesn't mean that it's an exercise in futility, especially when people like you who are out on the front lines, you see people coming to Christ because of these uh, because of the, the the evidence you're citing and the things that you're talking about. So I applaud you for that, Matthew. I really do.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and I, I just couldn't agree more. I think even just the smallest bit of preparation, the smallest bit of reading some of these resources can provide so much fodder for great conversation and, and really just respecting people and, and the questions that they have. And that doesn't mean you have to be the end-all, be-all expert or to have every answer to every question, but just to have a little bit of, um, ammunition to, to go into those conversations and to, to, um, to challenge people with, I think is, is so worth it. So I would just really encourage people to check out some of those resources.
0: Very good. Now, what if someone wants to find out more about you, Matthew, they want to follow what you're doing. They want to just kind of, I don't know, I don't know what all you do, uh, you're you know, yeah. some people do podcasts and writing and speaking engagements. So, you, but if they want to follow that and, and learn more about what you're doing, how would they do that?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I have a Twitter account, and uh, I sometimes post uh, interesting articles or, or quotes and things on there. Or um, you can just follow Robbie Zacharias International Ministries um, on YouTube and um, on Facebook and on Twitter and things like that. And um, yeah, uh, my, my Twitter account is mostly where I interact with people, though.
0: Okay, well, very good. Well, Matthew, I appreciate it very much. That's Matthew Middleburg, Speaking Fellow with RZIM, talking about the historical evidence of the resurrection and some of the things that he's experienced and some of the things that he's doing in his ministry. Matthew, thank you very much for joining us, sir.
1: Thanks so much, Todd. Really appreciate it.
0: You're listening to the Home of Conservative, not Better Talk Radio, back in just a minute. Folks, I hope that you have an absolutely fantastic Easter holiday. I know that we are dealing with some things here that we haven't dealt with before, and there's all sorts of issues that come from the social distancing, the isolation. But I do hope that you're able to find a way to, um, to make the most of this weekend. I hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Matthew Middleburg of RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International ministry. So it's been good to uh well, look at this. Our <laughs> our uh, outro didn't kick on there. What do you know? But it's been good to uh good to share that with you. I hope that you you enjoyed it. I wish you and your family a very happy Easter. May you not forget. May you remember what happened this day in Jerusalem 2000 years ago. Folks, that was done for all of us, regardless of our political affiliation. There's the music kicking in. Guys, I appreciate you listening. Have a great day. See you soon. SDG, take care.